Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're actually in the middle of a series at the moment called Summer in the Psalms. And um, I'm really loving this at the moment. And if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, I hope that you are as well. And I love the Psalms. I hope that you guys do too. And if we were to go through all of the Psalms, uh, we would be here a long time, which is why we've just called it Summer in the Psalms. And for those of you that may not be aware, there are actually 150 Psalms. And so for those of you that have counted it up in your head already, if we were to do one a week, uh, we would be here for three years. Uh, So that is why we are just doing it over the summer. Um, But the reason why I love the book of Psalms is that it's just full of so much raw emotion. Uh, There's just so much in there and it really reveals a lot about the character of God and also about the authors uh, that have put pen to paper for each of these psalms, each of these poems. And today we're actually going to look at one of my favourites, Psalm 27. And if you're familiar with the psalm, you may already have a little bit of an idea about why I love this so much. And it's really because it speaks to the faith and the trust that David has in his God. And it actually is filled with quite a lot of that raw emotion that I was talking about just a moment ago. But there are a couple of things that I think that we need to be aware of before we actually get into this psalm today. Uh, One I've already alluded to, and that is the fact that David actually wrote the psalm. Um, But the time period in which it was written in is a little bit unsure, and a lot of people kind of have different views around this. But uh, what we do know is that there's lots of mention of different wars and battles that were raging on, and so quite a number of people actually think that David may have been currently in one of these battles and so perhaps he was fleeing from Saul at the moment but we don't really know. Um, As we read through it almost seems as if this psalm is written in two parts. So the first part verses 1 through to 6 is sometimes called the psalm of trust and so here David is really talking about his love for God and his desire to be in the house of the Lord and then part 2 verses 7 through to 13 is sometimes called the psalm of complaint or the psalm of lament. And the psalmist here is really um, giving us a prayer for God's mercy over him and over his life. And so really, when I think about this psalm, one of the reasons I love it is because, you know, so many people have this position of faith in God over their life, but they have these challenges in their circumstances as well. How many of us, you know, face this, you know, maybe even daily? But um, why don't you turn with me to Psalm 27? Gosh, I do have a little tab in here, but it's gotten caught up. All right, let's read together. Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple." For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above the enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. 
Verse 7, Hear, O God, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, many years ago, when Ben and I were first married, we were actually living in this little unit and it was actually quite a dark unit just because of the buildings that, or the other places that were around it. And we moved in there and it was kind of coming into winter. And so it was kind of starting to get dark a little bit earlier and daylight savings were ending. And um, Ben worked in a different job at that time. So he'd often come home as it was getting dark or was already dark. And at that time, I was actually in my first year of teaching as well. And so for those of you who are teachers, woo, go us teachers, um, <laughs> will know that your first year of teaching, uh, you can get pretty tired, particularly in in that first term it feels like it is going on forever and ever um, I love teaching but it was hiring in that first year and so I'd often come home because it was starting to get cold and we had this heating duct that was right in front of the TV prime position it was the best and so I'd sit over the heating duct and I'd get a blanket or a dressing gown and I would snuggle over it but because I was so tired I'd often fall asleep and so there was this one night it gotten dark and uh, I must have gone into a really deep sleep but suddenly I was awoken by this figure kind of looming over me. And it just looked like this outline of this person. Um, I think they were talking, I don't know. Because what gripped me was fear, like I've never felt before, have never felt since. And all I remember is I think something came out of my mouth, probably a scream. I definitely kicked my legs in that direction. And then I started army crawling to the nearest thing. Now, the thing that was closest to me was a coffee table, a small one with just four little legs. I don't know why I thought that would protect me because if you'd seen it, you would know that anyone would be able to fling it off and it would offer no protection whatsoever. Um, but I made it under there, don't you worry. And I was still screaming and kicking my legs until the lights came on. And then I realised that this thing that I was so scared of was my actually loving husband, Ben. And so, you know what? <laughs> the only thing that had changed from the moment when they walked in, he walked in and was looming over me, was that the light had been turned on. You know, things look very different in the light. Things that were invisible before now become very visible. Things that were obscured by the darkness now become fully seen in the light. You know, light completely changes our perspective. And Psalm 27 starts with, The Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? Well, I can tell you that day I was pretty scared of my husband until the moment that that light was turned on. But you know what? You can see pretty clearly when you have light, but until that point... Fear was what was gripping me. And sometimes when we're in the darkness, that is what it's like. It can be filled with fear. 
fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing what is coming next. So my question for you is, what are you in the dark about right now? Is there something that you don't have all the answers to that is causing you to be asking these kinds of questions? Maybe you're filling in gaps with what-ifs. How many of you have asked those what-if questions before? I know I definitely have. The problem with this is those spaces where we have those unanswered questions can cause fear to come in. And when that happens, we are allowing that darkness in. David is beginning the psalm with a declaration that the Lord is his light and we need to do the same. Because when we're doing that, we're saying that God is the one who is over everything in our lives. He's the one who is illuminating our path. And David here, he was declaring his faith and trust in God, leading him every day, no matter what was going to come. I don't know if you've ever really thought about light and dark before, but you can't actually create darkness. Darkness isn't its own substance. We can't make it. Darkness is only there because it has an absence of light. You know, T.S. Eliot says that darkness declares the glory of light. And I don't know, if you've ever been searching for a light in the dark, you'll all know what we're talking about here. That, that glory of finding that light switch when you've been in the dark. And I often think, what did I ever do without that torch on my phone? You know, you get caught in the dark, you're like, oh yeah, that's right, I've got my phone in my pocket. Torch goes on, yay, fun. suddenly I've got light again. You know, what did we ever do without those torches? But you know what? When we're spiritually moving from spiritual darkness into light, that is something altogether different. Spiritual darkness can look like hopelessness. It can look like lack of vision for your future, an inability to see a way forward, or perhaps it's just an inability to see your next step. It looks like a lack of relationship with Jesus. You know, John 8:12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, once we allow Jesus in, the one who is light, that is when we are spiritually alive. That is when we allow that darkness that was the sin in our life to be brought into the light that Jesus provides. And how great that this invitation is open to each and every one of us. And it's open to us every single day to invite Jesus in to provide that light. <clears throat> you know, there was something that I noticed about the first three verses of this psalm. And that was that there was a lot of military, like a lot of war kind of terms that were used. And I know that we're, we're kind of touching a little bit, I guess, on some spiritual battles here right now. But... I think it kind of gives us a little bit of a picture perhaps as to what David may have been facing at the time of the writing of this psalm. And we've already read the first part of verse 1, but I just really want to highlight a few of these words. So we've already said that the Lord is my light, but he also says that he's his salvation. Now we often use that word salvation to talk about 
Jesus saving us from this life into the next so that once we, we die here, we, we can live eternally with him. But the translation of this word salvation actually refers to physical salvation. It refers to preserving from harm or unpleasantness, to be kept safe. And perhaps for David, it actually meant him securing that battle. As we read on, it says that the Lord is his stronghold. I don't know how often you've used that word stronghold. I can probably say I don't think I've ever used it in normal conversation. Um, but stronghold here actually refers to a, a source of refuge, a source of safety, something or someone that you would turn to for assistance or security. So he's saying he turns to God for that. When we go to verse 2, he uses the term adversaries and foes. Now, if you're anything like me, you've read that before and just go, oh, yeah, yeah, they're just enemies, whatever, and just moved on, right? Not whatever, maybe, but um, <laughs> they're just enemies, so you've just moved on. But I thought, you know what, maybe I'll look a little bit deeper into this and have a look and see, are they actually different or are they literally just enemies? So adversaries actually means someone who offers opposition. And I was like, oh, that's a little bit different. Like, someone doesn't have to be an enemy to offer opposition. Or something doesn't have to be an enemy to you to be opposing you. And a foe, well, some translations actually use the word enemy here, but actually is referring to a personal enemy. And I was like, mm, that's a little bit different. I mean, you can have enemies that aren't personal. But a personal enemy, I'm like, oh, that's something a little bit different. I just kind of thought that this was interesting in the context here of what David is talking about. In verse 3, he goes on to talk about armies being encamped against him and the wars are arising and I think you know if we think about David he was a man of war uh, we know that he's talked about a lot in scripture and second Samuel 17 8 he was actually described as an expert in war can you imagine actually being called an expert in war like that's pretty impressive um, his life was filled with conflict it had started back when he was a shepherd boy, you know, he, he was looking after his sheep and, and a lion and a bear came to take one of his sheep. And if that had been me, I'd be like, go for it. You know what, I, I am not going to fight you for the sheep. But David was not like that. David was like, you know what, I can take you on. Me and God and my slingshot, we're going to get you. And so he did. And it was that same faith and those same skills that he then used to take on Goliath. It was those same skills that he then used to defeat armies later on. And so David, he actually developed quite a reputation. Um, so much so that people would sing about him in the streets. Can you imagine having people singing songs about you in the streets? I mean, I just think that would be weird. But in 1 Samuel 18, 7, we actually read about it. It says, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And if you know the story, Saul was the king at the time and David was the king to come. And Saul was really angered by this. He was probably thinking, who is this young whippersnapper that they're singing about who's killing all these more people than I am? And Saul wasn't happy. In fact, he was really jealous. And he was so much so that he wanted to kill David because of this. And I just think, you know, you'd have to be in a pretty dark place, I think, to get to the point where you want to kill somebody else just because of something that God is doing in their life. Maybe Saul was really in the dark. I think he should have just been focusing on what God was doing in his life. Um, but I think, you know, it's not surprising that we would see David using all of this language. 
It's clear that he was thinking about these battles that were raging around him. And it was most probably a real and present threat for him at the time. And if we think about wars, you know, if we're in a physical war, light would have been really important. In fact, if you read about war, uh, it's actually really necessary, particularly in those times. And if we think for us, it is for us too. It's just that our source of light is different. Our source of light is Jesus, and he is necessary for us today when we are facing our battles too. When we're in the midst of our battles, we need Jesus, who is our light. You know, God's ability to turn any battle in David's favour is exactly what he is talking about here. Um, Despite how things looked in the natural, David had the faith that what he had done in the past, he would do again in the future. And I know that even today, many of you will be sitting here today and you'll be facing your own battles. Maybe you've got some opposition that you're facing right now. Perhaps you're facing a battle that no one even knows about. Maybe it's not you today, maybe it's the person next to you. But one thing you need to know is that the Jesus that we are reading about, the God that we're reading about, is the same today as he was back then when he helped David. And he'll be the same tomorrow and every day after. We serve and we worship a God who is unchanging. And he protected and provided refuge for David all of those years ago. And he does the same for us today. I know what it's like when we are facing battles and opposition. You know, sometimes we're left with this tension where we're right in the middle. Um, Things aren't quite, you know, resolved yet. We're still in our circumstances and we have these unanswered prayers. And that can be really challenging. But be encouraged that in every season, God is always with you. And just like David, who despite the adversaries and foes, or the armies that were encamped against him, or the wars that were rising up, he declared that he would not be afraid, that his enemies would fall and not him, that his heart would not fear, and that he would be confident. And we get to declare the same things today. You know where David's source of confidence came from? It wasn't in his own ability, although we know that he was good in war. But he attributed all of that to God. And that's where our source of confidence comes from as well. It came from the Lord, which was his light and salvation, the stronghold, his refuge in his life. You know, we may not find ourselves in a physical war like David. We may not have souls coming after us who are trying to actually physically kill us, but we've all faced our own battles. They just take on different forms. Maybe they're health battles. Maybe they're financial. Maybe they're relational. Or maybe they're to do with your mental health. I'm not sure. Um, There was a few years ago now... uh, I'm not sure how long ago. I feel like I'm still caught in some kind of weird COVID time warp and I don't know how long time is anymore. I don't know if anyone feels the same. But um, it was actually after a period of some physical health challenges I was having, I actually started to suffer in my mental health. And I don't know if any of you have been through this before, but I actually went through a period of time where I was actually really suffering with anxiety uh, to the point where... I was finding it challenging just to get out of bed to to meet with people, really. Um, Work was hard. 
teaching was really challenging, as you can imagine, you know, being in front of people and that, that became hard. And there's only so many sick days that you can take. Eventually, I had to try and find a way to cope with that and be at work. That was really hard. There were, there were some days that I just couldn't do that. As you can imagine, um, you know, ministry life was kind of challenging. I mean, you're surrounded by lots and lots of people uh, who want to have conversations, and conversations was the thing that was the most challenging for me. But when you're senior pastors of a church, um, that became very, very hard. And when often you end up being up front and centre uh, on stage with a microphone, uh, that was quite a difficult feat, as I'm sure that you can imagine. But it did get to the point where it was just too much. And I remember saying to Ben one day, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't get up on stage. I, one, I actually don't feel like I'm in a space where I can do this. Um, but I was like, I can't, I can't actually physically. I don't think I can bring myself to get up here. I definitely, I can't, I actually can't do it. It started to cause a bit of fear in me as well. And I was like, I just, I don't even know what I do when I get up there anymore. It became really, really challenging. It got to the point where people would come up and be like, oh, when's Sarah going to preach? When's Sarah going to do this? And I was just like, I'm thinking on the inside, you know what, I would just love to feel comfortable having a normal conversation with another person. Let's not worry about getting up on stage anymore. And you know what, guys, I know when I'm saying this, that I'm speaking to a room full of people and percentage-wise, I know that this is probably the biggest fear for a lot of you. Um, and while I've had to overcome some of that, um, it's never been my largest fear, although I've had to work through a few things. But you know what? Um, apart from counselling, which I did have, the thing that got me through was my relationship with God. It was time in prayer. And I will admit, that was hard. Like, some days were really hard. Some days were easier than others. But I had to hold on to the hope I had to hold on to the faith that I would actually make it through one day. And it's not always easy. But you know what? In every season, we need to put our hope, our faith and our trust in God. We need to put our hope and faith and trust in the only one that can actually bring true light into the darkness in our life, that can actually bring us all the way through. The one who is our true refuge, our safety the one who can help us against everything that is our opposition, whatever that is, and comes in many, many different forms. When it feels like there is just storms and things waging around you, he is the only one that can calm and calm your storms. There is hope. For those of you that feel like there is no hope today, there is. I've felt like that before. And I am standing here as a testament today telling you that there is hope. There is hope in Jesus who is our salvation in this life and the one to come. You know what? The only way to get it though is through a personal relationship with God, through a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's through that that we can have faith to face any battle that we might come up against. And you know what? David... He didn't just suddenly have this faith-filled relationship and trust in God. It was fostered and developed through spending time with him. Yeah. How's your time with God going? You know, I know it's the start of the year. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have, you know, New Year's resolutions and, you know, get all excited and go out, buy a new journal and start a new Bible reading plan and, you know, all these things. And they're all fantastic. Um, but they need to stick. 
if you just do it for the first two weeks and then don't do it again, uh, it's probably not going to get you too far, guys. I'm sorry. Um, we need to have this as a lifestyle. Is it deep enough? Is your relationship, is your time with God deep enough that when times of trouble come, you have something to draw upon? Because we need to have this daily life of practice where we're growing in our relationship with Jesus so that when the tough times come, we have something to draw upon. No, I don't know if you've seen this TV show before. It's called Bondi Rescue. Um, those that are laughing and nodding, yes, I'm with you. I've seen it too. Uh, if you haven't, I'm going to fill you in really quickly. So Bondi Rescue is about the surf lifesavers at Bondi Beach in Sydney. Uh, Bondi Beach um, is beautiful, but probably not a beach for beginners. Um, but for whatever reason, people always get caught there. And so... The <laughs> So the show is about these surf lifesavers and some of the people that they help are on the sand, okay? But the greater majority of the people that they help are in the water and they've gotten caught. And I don't know if it's just the episodes that I've watched, but a lot of the people that get caught in the water that require rescuing happen to be tourists, which is really unfortunate. And if they're not tourists, they, they are people who just don't know how to swim which I just think to myself, why would you hop into the water at Bondi if you don't know how to swim? Or just any beach in general. I just think to myself, that is the last place that I would want to be. Or they're just people who have misread the conditions in the water. You know, really, at the essence of it, they're people who have just not taken the time to learn how to become strong swimmers. And so when it came to maybe changing conditions in the water, which often happens at Bondi, just so you know, if you ever decide to go swimming there, um, the waves got bigger, maybe there was a rip that developed, the tide conditions changed, they got caught in the water and required rescuing. And you know what? The same thing goes for our prayer life and our relationship with Jesus. We need to make sure we have this regular time with Jesus, that when the troubles of life come, we have this relationship that has stood the test of time. We've seen him move before, that we know his character. We've read about it in his word. We've seen answers to prayers in the past and that we have this intimate relationship with him so that we know that even in those times of waiting, and they will come, with that's almost a guarantee. I don't know how many people have had a prayer answered in their timing. Most people, uh, they say, I've been praying and I'm still waiting. You know, God does answer prayers miraculously. But a lot of time, we spend time waiting for him to answer the prayers because he seems to be on a different clock to us. But David in this psalm, he's telling us about this kind of relationship that he had with God, this type of intimate relationship. You know, verse 4 to 6 goes on to give us an, in an insight, sorry, into David's desire to spend time with God. And it's not just this personal time, but it's this time where he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. You know, David refers to the temple in these um, passages. And the temple is just a public place of worship, just like here, just like what we're doing here today. And he describes it as a place that he desires to be every day. And verse 4 tells us that he wants to be there to behold God's glory and to meet there with God. 
He goes on in verse 5 to describe the temple as a shelter and a place of safety. That it's like being on a high rock where you can rest above your enemies. In verse 6, he says it's a place where sacrifices are offered with shouts of joy. And I just think, what a great picture of what church is like. That we come together, that we get to, you know, spend time worshipping and offering sacrifices to our God, that we get to offer shouts of joy and praise to him. It's a place that we get to feel most safe, despite what our day has looked like, despite maybe, you know, the traffic that you have encountered on the way here or the the breakfast that burnt or the argument you have with your kids about the clothes that they were wearing or whatever it is, maybe the week that you've had, who knows? But, you know, you can still come in here and offer praises to God. And you know what the best part is everyone is invited and we all get to do this. You know, David... He had this personal relationship, but he knew that being together was something special too. That gathering together was just different than having your own personal space with God. But gathering together, um, worshipping God together was just something different. And, you know, I just love that we get to be a part of that here at Bright Church too. We all get to be involved. And I would encourage you, if you're not part of the team here, if you're not serving or if you're not part of a small group, small groups are about to start up again, I would encourage you, get involved, be part of what God is doing here. You know, the thing about David is that he was always on his way to the house of God. He was always trying to find his the temple. He's always on his way there because he knew that he needed to spend time with God. He knew that when he got there, he would be meeting with God there. You know, the truth is, David went through many different seasons in life. You know, the psalm alludes to some of these. And he definitely had many highs and lows. You know, we often read about the, the battles that he won, but, you know, he had his low points as well. You know, he was hunted by Saul. You know, can you imagine actually being hunted by Saul and all his armies? Like, can you imagine how you'd actually feel? Like, the, the emotions, like, you know, if you read through the Psalms, you'll, you'll get a picture of that because David actually writes about how he felt. But that would actually be a horrible experience, knowing that you had armies coming after you. You know, they were relentless. You know, he made moral errors. You know, if we think about the affair that he had with Bathsheba, you know, he didn't always get it right. But one thing he did was that he always stayed in the presence of God. You know, in times of trouble, David would draw upon the time that he spent with God, the experiences that he'd seen God move in the past, and he lived a life that was anchored to God. You know, if we think about an anchor, I don't know what you picture in your head. Um, I think about, you know, a big metal double-sided hook. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, But in ancient biblical times, the anchor actually looked more like a rock, often made out of basalt or something similar, with a hole at the top. And it was very, very heavy, as you would imagine, because it needed to actually hold a boat. And I just loved this because we often describe God as being a rock, you know, something that is, you know, immovable he's always the same he's the the thing that we can rely upon you know like our, our firm foundation you know he he's the thing that we can always go to and he's always going to be there he's always the same you know this this rock and, you know if we think about an anchor 
you know, what does an anchor do? Is a heavy object, the rock, um, attached to a rope or a chain and is used to moor a vessel to the sea bottom. The power of an anchor is that it can hold a boat in one place regardless of the sea conditions. The wind may blow and the, the waves may pound and, you know, it doesn't matter how big the storms are. If a boat or a vessel is properly anchored, then it can withstand any storm that it may face. And, you know, so many people start off, you know, as we've read in verses 1 to 6, you know, which is pretty easy when the seas are calm, you know, when everything is going around really well. But then the lamenting seasons hit, <laughs> you know, trouble comes, you know, the unexpected happens. And it happens to all of us at some point. And when those seasons come, they can challenge everything that we have thought before. And I just thought that for these verses, it would actually be easier to demonstrate this to you. So um, I'm actually going to ask Zach to come up and help me to demonstrate this point. <laughs> Thank you. So if, Zach, if you want to grab the rope for me, and if you want to take one end and I'll take the other. And I've uh, chosen Zach because I needed a, uh, a person that was close, close to God. Thank you. And uh, he, uh, this rope is very long. Sorry about this. Hang on. Let me grab the end. He, um, he's the tallest person I know, so he's definitely closer to God than anyone I could think of. <laughs> so, um... Zach here, he's going to represent our anchor, which is God in this picture, and uh, I'm going to represent me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, e e easy to picture, right? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm holding, sorry, hair in my mouth. I'm holding on to Zach at the moment, and um, you know what? Like everything is nice, everything's calm at the moment, right? And I'm holding on to this pretty easy, right? But Interest rates have just risen, right? And I'm thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? But you know what? I'm holding, I'm holding on to God. And if I hold on to God, I'm okay. And I just think to myself, all right, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But you know what? I know if I hold on to you, I'll be okay. But you know what? I can feel the tide is changing, right? Oh no, gas prices. I just heard in the media that they're on the rise too and I've just put in gas appliances into my house. What am I going to do? You know what? I'm holding on to God. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it'll, I know it'll be okay because, because I'm holding on to God. I know everything will be okay. All right? the, the, calm, the, the seas have calmed down a little bit now, but I do feel the tide is changing a little bit. Right? Oh no, I feel issues in my marriage. You know, things things are getting a little bit tough. But you know what? I'm holding on to God. So I know that everything is going to be okay. But you know what? I've learned something. When we spend time with God and the closer we get to them, we start to realize something. You know, I've realized over time that I've thought that I've been holding on to God. Right. Sorry, you can leave it around you. Yeah. Um, we're going to change roles for a second. Yes? No, I don't know. Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm God. I'm now God. And so what's happened is over time I've realised that 
when I've thought that things have been difficult and I was holding on to God, what's actually happened is that God, who is now me, was actually holding on to me. He was the one that was keeping me safe. He has always been with me. And even when I thought that I was anchored to him and I was holding on to him, he was always with me anyway. But he is actually always holding on to us. Why don't we give Zach a round of applause as he uh, takes a seat. Thank you, Zach. And you know what? As we read through this psalm, thank you, um, we see that David has always been anchored to the nature and the character of God. And that is how he was able to withstand all the fearful storms that he had in his life. He chose to anchor himself to the one who was the stronghold in his life, who was the refuge, who was the safety, who was the one who was able to hold him through it all. So my question for you is, what are you going through right now that you need to anchor yourself to Jesus for? Because no matter the storm, he can hold you and protect you and keep you safe. You know, David knew that God was his light, his protector, his saviour. He knew his love and his power firsthand. It was because he had an intimate knowledge and relationship with God that he was able to have hope that was able to sustain him in times of trouble. You know, soldiers, they found security when they had light, when they had a stronghold for their safety. You know, sailors, they found security on the ocean when they had an anchor that was keeping them in place so that when the winds came and the storms raged, they were able to stay in that one secure place. But we find security in life through our relationship with Jesus. When the storms of life come and we find ourselves in darkness, without hope, Jesus is the one who brings the light. He is the one who gives us hope. When we find ourselves in time with relationship troubles or financial difficulties, when we have health issues or any other problems that life might bring our way, it is Jesus who is our anchor. It is He who holds us. He is the one who has the answer to all of life's problems. Just like David said in Psalm 13, or 27, 13, sorry. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you know what? We can do the same. We can look at our circumstances and believe that we too will see the goodness of the Lord. Despite what we're going through, God is still good. You know, the psalm ends with a call for us to wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, I think that David sandwiched the wait for the Lord with the be strong and let your heart take courage because he knows that that's what's actually required. I think David knew from personal experience that waiting for the Lord is really hard sometimes. It can be really challenging. It can be hard when you're sitting there in the time of waiting. We need that courage. 
We need our heart to have that courage. We need to be strong. But God always promises to be with us. And when we anchor to Him as our firm foundation, as we are strong in our faith with Him, when we spend time with Him and stand in courage, He is with us always. I'd like to ask you guys to stand and I'd love to pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.